0: Hello everybody, it's time to do the little ukulele dance. Five podcasts in, Chachi, these ukulele lessons are really starting to pay off. I might do five beer reviews, five of my favourite beers from this month. Yay! And those espresso martinis that giving me an idea. Might make a caramel latte cocktail. And we don't want to be drinking all that on an empty stomach. So we'll whip up something good to eat. Don't forget to like and share and let me know what you're drinking, what you're cooking. If you tried any of the stuff in the podcast, give us some feedback. Thanks to everyone that has. It's been great fun. Now it's time for a beer after work. Probably my favourite beer in recent times came as quite a pleasant surprise. I haven't seen a Steinlager since the last time anyone in Australia gave a rat's ass about the America's Cup Yacht Race. Until I bumped into this little box of amber beauty. (coughs) The New Zealand brewery have a top shelf beer on their hands with this Steinlager Tokyo Dry Premium Lager. The added bonus is they're doing their damn best to convince you it's healthy. Low sugar, low carbs, tells me you can go your hardest. Fast and furious style. This is the bottle where New Zealand ingredients are given a workover from a Japanese brewing team to bring you this beautiful Tokyo love story in your mouth. It's the best dry beer I've had, top shelf. I popped into my favourite bottle shop, Purva Sellers, and picked up a pack of Mooncraft Brewery, Splice of Heaven. Try saying that after six. They're better than Dan's for beer variety, at purposes, and they have most of the other stuff, but this is a beer review. Perhaps I'll do bottle shop reviews another day. I can tell you the worst bottle shop, Glen Ira bottle shop. Like a bad movie, it's the only bottle shop I've walked out of without buying anything. But I'll stop whinging and talk about this refreshing, sweet tasting beer that smells like summer. You can throw these down pretty easy. It's an IPA, you don't get the strong IPA feel on your tongue, but it's there. It's 6.5% and 1.7 drinks in a little can. The Moondog doesn't lie about the pine, lime and vanilla taste. Moondog Brewery are carving a bit of a niche out for themselves making dessert beers. Could be a picnic beer. A splice of heaven on the picnic rug sounds pretty good. For your enjoyment, we have the quite tasty New England IPA Spring Chicken from Tallboy and Moose Make Beer. You might have to Google that shit. They got the zany, rocky and bullwinkle type graphics going on on the can. It's all zany and wacky. It doesn't kick you in the mouth. Thankfully, it doesn't taste like chicken. It's 6%. With good advice on the can, like store cold and drink fresh. They have a brew pub in Preston and a website that might be worth a visit. It's a pretty mild flavour with good mouthfeel. Well done, tall boy and moose. It's another tropical tasting beer. It's not pineapple and chicken. You could find yourself pretty drunk on these easy to drink 6%ers. Try them if you can find them. They're the sort of beers you get when you order those mystery mixed craft beer boxes. Booze Bud do a good one. I've got those for a while. You get two of each, cans, stubbies, so 16 altogether. You need two if you're going to try a beer properly. I found a few good beers that way. There's a few different options around. Uh, I think I got a box a month, did that for about a year or so, can't remember how much it was, 80 bucks, or you could just go to the bottle shop every night and grab a couple. Independent bottle shops tend to stock more craftier beers. Another beer I enjoyed lately is called the Serpent's Kiss, a watermelon pilsner from the Grifter Brewing Company, situated in Marrickville, New South Wales. It's a very fancy red can with an old school tattoo of a snake eating a watermelon. It's a different taste. It's um, it's well, like a minty, fresh aftertaste to it. You know, you get that watermelon flavour, and then it just a subtle bit of mint. Uh, it's different. It's definitely a summery beer, but uh, a lot different to the tropical stuff that's going around at the moment. It's not the first watermelon concoction I've tasted in a beer can. Not sure how they fit the watermelon in, do they actually use watermelon or create the flavour out of a combination of molten hops? I should probably know this. It's definitely a summer beer and I definitely like it. Nobody likes a know it all though. Was has come good with a few beers from the boys at Kaiju Brewing so we'll have a chat about them at some stage. I think they have their own shop front in Smith Street somewhere. We might get in there for a look when lockdown is over is there a better way to start the weekend than with an IPA called Old Man Yells at Cloud by Old Wives I'm Not a massive fan of IPAs, beer nerds probably love them. But I'm not a beer nerd, I don't think, I just like beer, it's nice to know how they're made and the history and, you know, it's interesting. But for the purposes of evaluation, at the time of tasting, Friday after work, I'll get hit with the fashionable tropical flavours of the modern crafty brewer. I don't know much about Old Wives Ales other than old mate Alexander Marshall Hill he enjoys them a lot. I'm not getting that inky mouthfeel. There's a little bit of pepper coming into it, but that's alright. Makes me want to cook up some food. I'm starving. We've thawed out a couple of rump steaks and I've scoured the worldwide intraweb and found this Kraken recipe in the Burton Mail, a local newspaper in the UK. Steak with whiskey braised onions and a mustard sauce. Just have to run it past the keto police, then get these onions and cows on the Bunsen burner. This is a recipe that covers all the classic smells and flavours we love. You got sizzling beef, braised onions, garlic, it's gonna smell magnificent. Mouth-watering flavours, mustard, whiskey, butter, salt and creamy sauce. And some broccolini for good luck. How good is this? I'm so excited. Thank you Burton, you bloody beauty, wherever you are. We'll need four onions, 50ml of whiskey. I'm using Johnny Black. 600ml of beef stock, 100 grams of salted butter, a clove of crushed garlic, four rump steaks, four broccolini's. Well, you can do any veggies you got. For the sauce, two tablespoons of whole grain mustard, half a teaspoon of English mustard, two tablespoons of salted butter, 25ml of whiskey, 75ml of double cream. Fire up your barbie nice and hot. Peel your onions, but don't cry darling, you don't need to cut them up yet. Place them in a pan with the whisky and beef stock. Cover and bring to the boil and simmer for 40 minutes. Use a slotted spoon to lift the onions out of their cooking liquor and set aside to cool. Keep your liquor. Get your butter and garlic on the go in a pan over low heat. Season your steaks with a bit of salt and pepper, then brush them with your garlic butter. Get them going on the barbie. When you flip your steaks, give them another brush of the garlic butter. To make the sauce, put both types of mustard in a pan with a tablespoon of the butter. 200 mils of your reserved cooking liquid from the onion, your liquor. Pour in some more whiskey, then flambe. Yeah, you heard me right. Flambe. To burn off the alcohol. Place over a medium heat and simmer until the liquid is reduced by half. Stir in the cream, seasoned well whisk in the remaining butter to finish slice up your steak and serve it with the veggies spoon over the sauce and just pull your onions apart so they look nice and just get it all looking pretty bon appetit they'd probably go well with a full flavored ipa or uh, maybe a nice bold shiraz every now and then i don't mind treating myself to caramel latte with all the fun that's been had lately with the espresso martinis, I thought I might have a go at a cocktail version of one of my favourite caffeinated kickstarters. You'll need 30ml espresso coffee, 30ml vodka, 30ml coffee liqueur um Kahlua, something like that, 15ml caramel liqueur and an Irish cream, Baileys or the like. Alright, so get that grog in the shaker and shake it baby, give it a dry shake. Throw some ice in the short glass, throw some more ice in your shaker, give it another good shake until the bottom of your shaker is cold, then pour over ice. It's a beautiful caramel up there. This week I read a book called Modoc: The True Story of the Greatest Elephant That Ever Lived by Ralph Helfer. This book follows the life of 78-year-old circus elephant Modoc and his trainer Bram. Beginning in the early 19th century, Bram and Modoc were born at the same time in Germany. Raised by Bram's father, who himself was a third generation elephant trainer, Bram follows in his father's footsteps, training Modoc in the gentle and affectionate manner that his family was famous for. Inevitably, Modoc becomes a circus elephant owned by an American circus operator, Mr North, who relocates the operation from Germany to the US, separating Modoc from his lifelong friend and trainer Bram. Devastated, Bram manages to stay away on the ship carrying Modoc across the Indian Ocean. The ship is wrecked in the Bay of Bengal, but a few people manage to survive the wreck by clinging to the back of Modoc. Modoc and Bram recover in India, where the Maharaja has heard of their plight and takes him under his wing. They learn much about elephants at the Elephantarium and a lot about Indian life and Hinduism. When they hear a rumour that the circus owner, Mr. North, is looking to recover his animal and charge Bram with theft, they live a life on the run, walking across India, eventually finding work as a team in the teak forests. A ruble war spells tragedy for Bram, and Mr. North eventually catches up with the Gio, and lays claim to his elephant, and against his better judgment maintains the services of Bram and Modoc. Modoc and Bram become stars and survive many interesting encounters travelling with a circus across the US. Ten years pass. Mr. North sells Modoc from underneath Bram. Eventually, M.O.D.O.C. is saved from a life of neglect when she's purchased by Ralph Helfer, a Hollywood animal trainer who nurses M.O.D.O.C. back to health and reconnects the elephant with Bram. So without giving too much away, this book would make a great Disney movie or a HBO TV series. So much happens to M.O.D.O.C. and Bram. The story is interesting, but I found the writing all a bit one-voiced for a story with so many characters. If you love elephants, and who doesn't, you'll enjoy reading this book about M.O.D.O.C., the greatest elephant that ever walked the earth. So I'll this week's podcast with my very own elephant-related travel story. I rode an elephant in Thailand's Golden Triangle, sat in its head for half a day. When you sit in an elephant's head, you have your knees tucked neatly behind its ears. You balance with your hands on top of its head, or you can grab some ear flaps. The alarming thing about sitting on the elephant's head is its ability to slap and pull on your legs with its trunk. I was terrified of going under one of its big hooves and being squashed like a grape. And I also found out that elephants can shrug their ears like we shrug our shoulders. The ear shrug and trunk combination was a little distressing. A short distance into the jungle the elephant stops and pulls a small sapling from the side of the track. Roots and all. To use as a weapon to remove unwanted passengers from its head. After several swats on the legs, I pulled the sapling from its trunk and threw it as far as I could into the jungle. The bloody thing stopped dead for a fuck-you moment, stepped into the jungle to retrieve its weapon, returns to the track and starts whipping me again. At this stage, the elephant was given a stern talking to by its trainer. From memory, the rest of the journey was incident-free. We rode into a remote village in the Golden Triangle at Sunset like kings. Thanks for listening. Your feedback, encouragement and advice has been great. Let me know if you try any beers or cook something good. I love everyone's thoughts on different beers and food. Hope you find the time to treat yourself. Now it's time for the ukulele. What a treat. That's it. Bye.